What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We made this. Hello and welcome to Right in the Childhood. But it is not our usual week. We should be fortnightly, but this is an extra one. Sneaky little weekly sort of doodah. Bonus episode. Ooh, bonus! And the reason for that is, last week we looked at Cyber City Oedo 808, and I said on the podcast, Oh, wouldn't it be nice if this was released on Blu-ray? And then, what do you know, your wishes came true. Yeah, we record quite... A long way ahead of schedule, and at Which the time you'd, of recording, you'd never normally no, no. But at the time of recording, I had no idea there was a Blu-ray release coming up. And three months later, we are recording. Oh, you shouldn't have said the time. We could have just been like, we are in this infinite. Yeah, well, the, we're like Doctor Manhattan. We could be at any point of wibbly wobbly time. Wibbly wobbly timely. So but ignore the fact that you just heard so many months. It was in wibbly wobbly time. We were recording in a time where there wasn't a Blu-ray, and now there is. Oh, but what time could it be? Who knows? So anyway, yeah, I bought the Blu-ray because I said I wanted the Blu-ray and I was always going to buy the Blu-ray. So was there not a DVD option? What do you mean? Was there a DVD option? You know, like there's DVD and then Blu-ray. No, this is proper hipster, re-release, remastered Blu-ray type situation. So there was never a DVD option? I don't know if it was ever released on DVD by Manga Entertainment. But you could never find it. But That was your heartbreak. Yeah. That but I remember the, from last week. The or, DVD certainly... <laughs> yeah. Or from some time. The DVD certainly wasn't in print. Right. So they've gone... Ah, there's some fandom here. Yeah. We've just heard that there's a podcast. So it <laughs> releases... talk about this. It's a really interesting release. It's a double disc. Oh! Which has... Is it one where, like, one's dedicated to all the episodes and the other one's dedicated purely to specials? No. One is dedicated to all the episodes and the different versions and the specials. And the other one is the soundtrack on CD. Ah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like they could have just put it on one disc then. Mm -hmm. Well, then you wouldn't have had the soundtrack on CD, would you? Oh, so it's a CD. It's a CD and and a DVD release, yeah. So... What we've done with the CD, before we go and talk about the DVD, I sent this over to our friends, Matt Latham and Colin Jackson-Brown from the Pick a Disc and Free With This Month issue podcast, respectively, and I didn't tell them what it was, and I said to them, have a listen. Other good shows on this network. Indeed. definitely check out. You should. And I said to them, have a listen to this, and... Without prejudice, 
tell me what you think of it. Tell me what yeah. you think of it as an album, because in my nostalgia-based brain, this is one of the greatest albums of all time. Of course. And I can't really be critical about it. And you get like that with music from a TV show that you watch. You love it, don't you? Yep. I used to say that my music taste was purely songs from How I Met Your Mother. Because <laughs> they are bangers, but, you know, the emotional scenes behind them also mm. help. Mm. But every time I listen to that, those songs, I'm like, oh, no. Ted's just been left at the altar or Again. something's happened. So I had a listen and I loved it. I've got it going on in the car. And I've only got one observation about the soundtrack, and that is that there was dialogue included, which I would personally have wanted them to cut out and just have it as the pure music. But when you're listening to that, is it like, are you in your sort of zone and then it takes you out of it or it brings you into the show? Yeah, I think I just really wanted to have the music taken out of the show rather Mm -hmm. than having the dialogue over the... Music the sh- like the sh- it was yeah, on the and show. The show take over. So I think that was a mistake, but it's still an incredible album. I guess this is my question for you as well. Like when you listen to this album, are you listening to it like as a piece of music? Like oh, I'm enjoying the the notes and all that, and how you would normally enjoy music. Or when you listen to it, are you like me when you listen to How I Met Your Mother song and you're remembering scenes and different moments? Are you thinking of the TV show when you're listening to both? it? both? Or are you just thinking of music? Both, I can't really... No, because there's songs that like are used in TV shows, but you sort of just vibe with in, in general. Like songs that are just constantly always used and you just happen to, they happen to be in films. But then there's like... Well, this soundtrack was completely written for the show, wasn't yeah. it? So I, I do feel like both. As a kind I of... Guess 90- that, yeah, I guess that doesn't help with my... Sorry to interrupt. I guess that doesn't help my question was, this was made for the show. Like it wasn't anything before it, it was for this whereas like other things that I'm thinking of they were songs before then they were used in the show and then they had a life afterwards because Mm. of it so I guess it's yeah it's different I apologise for asking an impossible question fair anyway so we're going to cut across and we're going to hear first from Colin Mm -hmm. and then we're going to hear from Matt Hello, it's Colin from We Dig Music Podcast and Free With This Month's Issue Podcast. Mark sent me a recording of a mystery album with all of the tracks untagged, so uh, I didn't know what it was and wanted me to let him know what I thought of it and whether I knew it and that kind of thing. I did not know it, first of all. I thought it was all right. It wasn't, you know, the the best record I've ever heard, but uh, I've heard a lot of records. It was still, you know, uh, it was it was not bad at all. I didn't recognise what it was, first of all. I could tell from the samples in it and the style that I had a fairly good suspicion that it was an early 90s anime soundtrack. So with a little bit of uh, of googling, I was able to find out that it is uh, the soundtrack to Cyber City Oedo 808, which I haven't seen. I'm not much of an anime fan. I've only recently started watching the Studio Ghibli films with uh, with my daughter. They're all right. It's just not really my thing, you know. But the the soundtrack, yeah, it's it, it's pretty good. It kind of reminded me a little bit that there's some synth sounds in there that are almost directly stolen from Van Halen's uh, 1984 record, particularly the intro to to the Van Halen album. That's used quite a lot in in sort of the synthy bits on the record. And I think the other way round, I think that this record 
the Oedo uh, 808 soundtrack probably influenced Fear Factory a little bit later on because some of the mixture of the synth and the, the metal guitars and frenetic drums are a little bit like their Obsolete record. Not so much Demanufacturer, but, but Obsolete particularly. Uh, reminded me of things like Resurrection on there uh, and that kind of thing. Mark wanted to know, would I listen to it again? I wouldn't turn it off if it was on, uh, but with the amount of music that is around in the universe, it's not on my highest priority. Uh, it was all right, though. Um, I did find out a few sort of interesting things about the guy that created it. So the uh, the guy that did the soundtrack, Rory McFarlane, he's a session bass player in Richard Thompson's band. Richard Thompson is an English folk rock legend, an absolutely amazing guitarist. There's a brilliant song by him called 1952 Vincent Black Lightning, uh, which is uh, about a, uh, a motorbike and a sort of love story about that. That's definitely worth checking out. He's also played bass with Nick Cave um, as a session player on uh, there was a Pirate Sea Shanties compilation album a few years back that he's on a track on there. And I've possibly even seen him playing bass as he was in the West End stage show of The Lion King, which I went to with my wife years ago, which is very good if you like that sort of thing. But yeah, Cyber City 08088, I'll probably watch it at some point. It sounds like a massive Suicide Squad ripoff <laughs> for the uh, the premise, but uh, I know Mark likes it, so I'll, I'll check it out at some point. But yeah, uh, if you want to listen to, to my podcasts, uh, We Dig Music is uh, my podcast with my friends Ian and Tracy, where we each month we are choosing our favourite 10 songs each from a different year and then voting amongst each other to, to find out what the, the best song is. Uh, and then uh, free with this month's issue is me and Ian again, plus a different guest, which Mark has joined us on previously. And we listen to an old free CD from music magazines like Kerrang, uh, Metal Hammer, Enemy, that sort of thing, and discover the delights and horrors within. And you can find both of those uh, by searching their names. Obviously, you're listening to a podcast now, you know how it works. Or you can find them all on wedigpodcasts.com and we're all part of the We Made This Network. And I'm also on that Red Dwarf podcast, Shipwrecked and Comatosed, uh, with Mark. Thanks. Bye. Hello, Mark. It's Matt Ratham here, the host of the Pick a Disc podcast, which you can find on the We Made This Podcast Network, that if you just type in Pick a Disc into your podcast app, you'll probably find Pick a Disc. Anyway, you asked me to have a listen to this mystery album, to have a quick listen to it, and when I listened to it, I, I, I gathered quite quickly it was going to be an instrumental album, and historically I'm not a fan of instrumental music as a rule, I mean, I'm, I'm much more of a lyrics person, but I quite like the sound of it, if I'm honest. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't know whether it's something I'd actively keep listening to, because I think, um, I'm as I said before, I'm not much a fan of instrumental music, and... But what it did, what it did do, I mean, I, I don't recognise it at all, but it reminded me a lot of either of a band called uh, Maybe She Will, who's like one of the only instrumental bands I've actively gone to watch live. Um, and there's a, elements of, I think, the Avalanches. Is it the Avalanches that did Frontier Psychiatrist? But yeah, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure what else to make of it. Part of me thinks it might have been a soundtrack of something like uh, either a video game or a movie or something set in the 90s. There's a very... Particularly some of the tracks sound like they belong 
in the title sequence of a 90s TV show, one of the tracks, I can't remember which track it was, was like, this could theoretically be the theme tune to Games Master for all, all sorts and purposes. And I think that might be slightly skewed by the fact that from what I know, if you're tasting music, you're much a fan of the Prodigy and kind of industrial kind of 90s sounding bands. And there's an instrumental element there. It's not completely industrial. There's like elements of kind of kind of rock in that with the occasional samples in, which seem a lot cleaner than the 90s. Than We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. I would assume the samples in the 90s would sound like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean... Other things, at one point I thought it might be a video game soundtrack, or uh, at some point, because there's a, there seems to be a kind of narrative going through, but the samples make me think it might not be a soundtrack, unless it is actually from some kind of film, um, or audio clips from a film that is soundtracking. So, yeah, so like... It might just be an alternative version of soundtrack. I mean, like if any, if I've learned from anything, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Rock have changed my opinion of what movie scores should be. So this could theoretically be a movie score, uh, which is what I'm leaning towards, if I'm completely honest. So yeah, so that's kind of much my thoughts on the mystery album. And this is when you tell me it's something completely different, and I feel like a fool. But yeah. Thanks for that. It was an interesting uh, exercise. I'm very interested to think what Colin has made of it. He, he probably ends up recognising it and has already listened to everything this mystery artist has already done. So, yeah. Thank you, Colin and Matt, for your interesting interpretation of something that was basically the biggest kind of nostalgia vibe for me. Do you actually know what they said or are we just saying this? No, we recorded this before we got that footage. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so before we go into the DVD release, I'm going to talk about the booklet. You get a very nice little booklet oh, and it's good. got stats about all the characters, which reminded me that, you know, I loved these characters. Oh yeah, they're all murderers. These characters that you learn to love have got unforgivable crimes attached yes, to them. Yes, there is but that. We I... don't see that, so no. it's fine. But what I did find odd is, Gogol is only 28 and Chinese. In my head, he was in his 50s and Japanese. In my head, Google is very... <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> it's very wise, but it's very young. Fair enough. And there's a couple of essays, one about the background, about how it came to the UK. There's an interview with the script editor and an interview with the... Oh, all written? Yep. Wow. With the composer as well. Is there like a behind-the-scenes documentary as well, or is it just like, nah, you're getting it written? There is a behind-the-scenes documentary on the DVD. Did you watch the the behind-of-the-scenes and read the essay at the same time? No, I I did them separately. And um, the doco is good, Mm -hmm. and 
It's got people like fans and academics, uh, the founder of Manga UK, translators, and Rory McFarlane again, the composer. Mm-hmm, that's pretty cool. They get all these people on. But and not you. Not me, no. It was, however, narrated by a gentleman I know called Jeremy Graves. Hey. known him a, a long time. That's pretty cool. Hello, Jeremy, you're brilliant. You're and it's really cool. It has like discussions of the creators, mm-hmm. the Japanese culture of the 90s compared to the British culture, and how manga entertainment worked and how it got imported first to Britain and then from Britain to America, America. with the dub. And... So this is very focused on the British sort of audience. Yeah. That's good. That's pretty good. And it goes into recording techniques and how the soundtrack was created and even goes as far as talking about fanzine culture. Really? So it's a nice little doco that's well yeah. worth having a little look at. It's got the UK trailers but, and the American trailers, I'm and they're both very did, different. I'm glad you did for both of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the UK trailer has Sean Barrett reprising his role as Gogol, and he does a voiceover saying what happens in the episode. Um, and in this episode, I end up with the bum job off. And it was brilliant. I do love a good narrator on it. Yeah, there. yeah. And... Um, you can watch this in three different formats. What, you're going to say in 3D? I was like, oh, no, no it you wasn't. can't. It wasn't that time when they were pushing 3D. So all episodes, you can watch the original Japanese version with subtitles, mm-hmm. the American version, which was essentially a watered-down version of the British version, and that's explained in the yeah. documentary, yeah. and the British version, which is marvellous. So the British version... Can has you, the soundtrack. The American yeah, version doesn't, doesn't. Has the original yeah, Japanese soundtrack. Yeah, we talked about that, didn't we, last week? Yeah. So, the American version didn't do much. It was, as an anomaly, something that you could watch. It just didn't have... The same feel to it. No. Do you think it's because elements were taken away? Yeah. Or? Well, it's weird because... It's the not Japanese... quite the Japanese, but it's also not quite the British. It's sort of like... The Japanese version, the subtitles are direct translations rather than the british interpretation right. the script was fully rewritten for the british version yeah, yeah. so the profanity is gone completely because mm-hmm. japanese culture doesn't really have profanity and it's subtly different with the characters when the dialogue changes obviously it's the same yeah. animation a perfect example is um sengoku in the japanese version he takes the dagger at the start of the episode and says this should be a laugh. In the, that's a very British way of saying in, it. Well, that's the Japanese version. No, in the, in the British version, he says, how do you know I'm not going to kill you with this? They've oh. subtly changed each character. And Benton is even more woo than he is in the original version. Oh. And Gogol talks a lot more in metaphors. He's a lot more intellectual. Oh, is he wise? Yeah. Mm. And the soundtrack is very Japanese and thematic for something like that that I it's would the, have watched. It's the anime soundtrack. Yes. It? The epic sort of yes. like, oh yeah, we're getting stuff done. I know a lot of people that have anime soundtracks is like, they're a lot more sort of, they're like, you know, all right, I've got to get up and go. And I can sort of see why, because you hear it, it's very aggressive. It's like, I've got to go do something. Like, you can't exactly sit around with it. Whereas mm. like, you know, normal alarm, you're just like, oh, get out of the way. The biggest character change out of all of them mm-hmm. is Vasas. He has like a very deep and slow voice. And the reasoning behind that is, I'm guessing, Varsas doesn't have a mouth. So they didn't have to fit the script writing to the mouths. Right. And they can pause the footage if they want Varsas to say more. So the conversation about 
fuck meaning to copulate and I can't do this. Yeah. All of that humour was completely lost and Vasus was a lot more dry and robotic with less gags. Mad. It's interesting as well, just sort of comparing the English and American one, because we, we sort of always feel... I always feel that, like, the Brits were very much closer to censorship than the Americans. Like, I feel like Americans and Japanese as well let their kids watch way more than the British kids did when you were growing up, if that makes sense. Mm. Purely based on our experiences on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Like, because whenever we've talked about shows on this podcast, you always say, oh yeah, like the BBC censored this, or like... Yep. So it's interesting that the UK version of this is the least censored one out of them. Yeah. It's kind of nice, actually. Again, the documentary goes into this. Very much the vibe of manga entertainment at the time was to ramp up the footage they got to appeal to late teens, early 20s, beer and curry kind of kids. That makes Male-dominated audiences and stuff. And again, that's reflected in the way they've subtly changed some of the things. For example, the ending where Okyo asks out Sengoku. Mm -hmm. Sengoku rejects her completely in the British version. In the Japanese version, he says, hold that thought. And I'm going to commit to earning my freedom and then we'll have the date. Right. Completely different vibe. It subtly changes the character as well. Though, Very much so. Way, doesn't it? Yeah, it's what, like what you've been saying. It's interesting what these small changes can do because it's almost like you're watching a different show with different characters. And Remember when we were discussing the show, I pointed out that Hasegawa had a massive plot hole in as much as he got the criminals that were multiple murderers. Mm-hmm. And he told Sengoku to take out Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why aren't all the murderers dead if that's the case? Yeah. And they explained it a little bit better in the Japanese right. the, subtitling yeah. with the fact that Hasegawa has a personal vendetta against Kurosawa right. because that he had the case in the first place yeah. where he didn't get a conclusive answer. And so... Hasagawa is much more invested in this whole plot than he seems in the British version. And I think the American version is trash. It is the crap soundtrack with the British dubbing. There's nothing to see there. No, no. Whereas the Japanese version, it gives you the original soundtrack as a kind of curiosity, but also it gives you a more subtle... Well translated, what plot. they want, what they wanted the actual original story to be, mm. and then what it became. It's very interesting as well because, again, it's going back to the audiences that we talked about, and I feel like you hit the nail on the head. Whereas, like, anime seems to have been and is now, but is getting to younger audiences in the UK. In the UK, it always seems to be like a teenage thing. Like when you're a teenager, yeah. you find out about anime. So when um, manga uh, entertainment were going for it. This is why we managed to avoid censorship is because we're targeting teenagers so they don't need to deal with yeah. the censorship from, I think it's the BBFC, they're yeah. the ones who do all the annoying stuff. But with America, it does feel like Americans, from my experience anyway, like working at a summer camp with them, the younger kids will get to animes quicker. And I think that has to do with stuff like and Pokemon, Digimon, like those animes have come over... So then that's why this one, they've had to go more And it's fascinating you say that because the documentary explicitly goes into why Cyber City was a bit of a flop in the States because it wasn't fitting the vibe that 
anime was marketed oh, at see, to the States. You've, like, ab- you've got it absolutely right. I could have been on this documentary. You could. I've seen one episode and I know, I know a lot about it. You could. If you want to do a follow-up documentary, I'm uh, available. I'm very mm. available. <laughs> and the other thing is there is a DVD commentary, which I've also watched. I actually watched the first episode of Cyber City, Uido 808, four times in four different formats in one day. I watched the British version, the American version, the Japanese version, and the Japanese version with the commentary. What? Uh, who was doing the commentary? Was it the English cast? Japanese no. Cast? It was the producer, the director oh. from the Japanese company. So they were speaking Japanese. You yeah. had to read the subtitles. Right. And a guy called John, who was kind of interviewing them as a kind of... I'm John. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he... No, but to bring... Obviously, yeah, he was speaking need, Japanese. You do but... need... Um, but yeah, yeah, you do the... need someone who's, like, leading the conversation. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was... That was also really interesting. They went into just the... Just John. Sorry. It wasn't just John. I'm but... just John. I was being a bit facetious, and like you've that. made me sound like a right cunt. No, no. no it's Sorry, not. John. John, you're more than just John to us. They went into... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To the writing process and the changes that they made as they went along. Did they talk about, like, the trip from manga to anime? They did, and there was no manga. They revealed on that that there was no banger. This is one of the first instances of an anime that was created explicitly as an anime. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, neither did I. The more you know, eh? Mm. And um, that now explains why, as a kid, when I tried to find the manga, I couldn't find it. You wanted to be the cool kid, didn't you? We all have to admit, we've all done this. Pokemon or something's got cool. This happens a lot with comics. Things get cool, and you want to... You want to read the original source, so like, get when Game of Thrones was huge. I've never watched Game of Thrones. I'm never going to watch it. I'm never going to read it either. But when people were watching Game of Thrones, I knew a lot of people that got into like, I need to know. I need to set the books so a I know more. This feels like there's this culture of like, I've got to know more, or I've got. To, sometimes it is just I'm invested in this universe. I want more. But sometimes there is that competitive culture of like, I've got to know. Oh, it was very much the former of those. I was very much, I just, just invested, want yeah. more content. And plus as well, this only had three episodes, so it would yeah. make sense that you're like, okay, I want to know where this goes, so I will carry on. Mm. So what we thought we'd do is I've gone through the DVD and how brilliant it is. Mm-hmm. When I saw the contents of the DVD, the thing that caught me the most was being able to see the original Japanese version. Yeah. As a curiosity, the American version... Is trash, but it's interesting At to least see. You know, yeah. yeah, 
But I was blown away by how deep the documentary went and the commentary was really good and the CD is fucking great. So it's a really nice DVD release. Blu-ray is always worth it. Sorry, yeah, Blu-ray release. The big thing, obviously, when Blu-rays came out was like, oh, look, it's all this high spec and all this. But now your streaming services can do that. But I always do love a Blu-ray extra. Whenever I get a Blu-ray... It's usually because the film's not on Netflix or any, or Disney Plus or anything. But it is always nice to see the extras. Like, I think... I always get the Spider-Man ones just because I'm a Spider-Man fan. But, like, the Homecoming and the Far From Home extras and the ones for Into the Spider-Verse as well, going into the extras, it does make it worth... Like, it does make Blu-rays worthy to wear. Oh, I coin would only buy Blu-rays for something I was a huge fan of. That's, yeah. And as soon as this came out, it wasn't cheap, but I was like, I'm getting Got that. It, yeah. And the quality of the video compared to the tap we were watching on YouTube yeah. is exceptional. It's a really, really nice DVD release. But what we thought we'd do is we thought we would take this opportunity to binge watch the, the second and third episode and then get Fraser's thoughts. Or should we make it sound like we've done so much more work? We're going to watch the entirety of the show. We're going to watch the entirety of this whole thing. And so, yeah... I know what's coming and I love what's coming, but mm. the second half of this particular episode will be me, Fraser's thoughts and whether or not... More tangents. Maybe. So if you love tangents, you've got but, that to come. And also whether or not your decision to binge it was the right one, I guess. Oh, yeah. Let's get it watched. Welcome back to this special bonus episode where we take a deep dive into the DVD and have a binge. If you can call it a binge when it's only three episodes. Bonus. Bonus Blu-ray binge. Is it a binge if it's three episodes? Watched it all in one. Well, if you think about it, things used to be released like week by week. So we'd have to wait three weeks for this. True. Well, it was shown on Channel 4. Cyber City Arena 808. They had like this late license thing where it was the middle of the bloody night and they'd play some of the, the manga entertainment imports. Could, yeah. yeah, it was like, um, again, aimed at probably kids staying up that yeah. their parents didn't know they were watching it. That that slot in Channel 4 was... Turn it down low because there's going to be swears. Similar. And, you know, that was where they showed Euro Trash that kind of time. Oh, it was, yeah. it was yeah. a similar thing... And um, you can see why, because it was edgy, it was clearly aimed at young teens desperate to be cool, like I was, I think. Yeah, it's definitely, it's like what we said last time around, it's edgy for like British teens, like at the time, it's like, Mm. oh my goodness, the swearing and like the swearing in it, it's very interesting that you've done this deep dive and like found out that the dub and sub were different, because... The swearing, especially like, I don't know if it's a retrospective thing because, like, being aware of like what you've told me, but the swearing in it now just feels not excessive, but it's just like they're just adding that because they cannot. It's just like it doesn't really add anything, it's just swears for swears' sake. I think it's fascinating that they picked a specific demographic and went as extreme as they could for that demographic, and that's what's made it so culty mm. is people remember. The British interpretation of it. It's not quite something like Power Rangers where they wrote completely new scripts. But the interpretation is significantly different. And I'm really looking forward. The only thing I've got left with this DVD that I have fucking consumed in like just a few days (laughs) is to watch the Japanese versions of episode two and three. Oh, have you not done that? I've not done those, no. 
You're not going to bother with the American versions then. There's no need. It's literally the British dub, but with the Japanese soundtrack. So I'll get uh, the experience of the Japanese yeah. soundtrack by watching the Japanese version. Yeah, yeah. It's weird for me. So this was the obvious choice to put on right in the childhood to yeah. reflect that period of time where I'd moved on from buying Doctor Who videos with my pocket money to buying manga imports of anime yeah. with my pocket money. There's a few others that I'm kind of fond of that I would like to watch again, but considering how many I bought and how many I just continuously yeah, yeah. watched, really it's Cyber City, The Giver, possibly The Legend of the Four Kings. And They're the ones that stick out. I re- and I did re-watch Angel Cop before we watched this to get an idea of it. Yeah. And considering the amount that I bought, None of them stuck in my head like Cyber City. And looking at the fan culture around it, this is massively, massively culty and an absolute favourite. And I can see why it is the first release for this new company. New, uh, who uh, yeah. They're called um, All Out Anime, I think. Oh, so they're the ones that are responsible for the Blu-rays. Yeah. So they're going to do a couple more. That's yeah. quite interesting. When the documentary was made in 2020, you could see the people really? were recording in lockdown from their homes. Oh, my goodness. All the guests oh, were in that's lockdown. That's not what you need. If you saw the the final of RuPaul's Drag Race or if you saw the extra episode of Tiger King, yeah. there was almost like a vibe of... Flitting from screen to screen because they like couldn't that. be with each other. Just yeah, it's just that every, unique look. Everything now, and it? it's the twenty 2020, twenty 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 one look. Yeah, of recording show DC fandom. But the, that documentary was filmed like that, right? Like when this is all over, I hope that doesn't become the norm. I don't think it'll become the norm. It'll certainly become something that is reflective of twenty twenty, and you'll be able to tell if yeah. a show has been recorded in twenty twenty because of the the restrictions that. You know, considering, work really well. Yeah, yeah, like, you're still, like, getting... You know, you're still getting the full effect of the documentary, and it's... Mm. Documentary's most important part is getting the information across. Mm. Could just be two people, like, talking at you straight away, and it's still achieving the purpose, but, you know, it's nice Mm. when it's a bit more engaging for the eyes as well as the brain. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to go deep into the plot of the episodes that we watched because if you're a fan of Cyber City you will have seen them and we also did that in the first episode but I just want to ask Fraser are you glad that you sat and had a binge with me um I don't know you know I was thinking like when I was part way through it I was like I'm glad that they're gonna like say we can we've completed this like thinking back now retrospectively a bit no because I was like a lot sort of maybe enjoyed the mystery more like when I watched the first episode like after that I was like oh there's only three it's like oh it's I've just been introduced into this world, and I don't know, the last two sort of, like, it had a nice ending, a very nice ending, to be fair, like, because each Pretty. of it, like, all three episodes focus around one central character, and I think the thing is, as well, it's like, I want to say Sengoku? Sengoku yeah, was I the think, main character in I episode one. Was, I think he was my favourite, one of my favourite characters when we first watched it, and I think that's why the first episode left me with more intrigue, because I was like, mm. I liked his character. Gogu's episode, I could take it or leave. There was a lot of talking when it could have been like, show, don't talk like, they're talking about something in the past, like show it in a flashback or something yeah, like this. Yeah. It's just, there was a lot, a lot of talking and a lot of, I noticed this a lot um, in some older animes and some animes now, that they'll stay on an image for a really long time and there's a lot of talking. And I was like, okay, this is easy for like the Japanese and the English because it's just, you know, it's just staying on the same image or it's, Slightly moving so across. I've got a speculation on that. Yeah. 
because looking at how much I think Japanese is more concise than English. I've got nothing yeah, to go on other than comparing the first episode, yeah, yeah. watching them on the same day, one in English, one in Japanese. The subtitles had much more detail and were deeper. Than what they were saying. And so tricks like Vasus, they can hold that image and have him talk for as long as he wanted. Yeah. So I think you're right that people doing the it's subs just, from, it from, from anime me, is... It reminded me a lot of like a motion comic or something like that. And I was mm. like, I don't know, I think because there was more action in the first episode, I didn't really notice it as much, but it was this, I was like, I was like, you could have made this 40-minute episode thing like 20 minutes or... Maybe. But I did, I will say, it's, it sounds like I'm doing a negative. I think it's just because like the, the high I was on in the first one. I did enjoy the two episodes. I think I enjoyed the third one a bit more, just because it did have a nice ending with um, with Benton as well. I can't remember the exact word he said, but he often gives something like, oh, it's goodbye for now or whatever. It's like, yeah. it is so long. It and felt like saying, a conclusion. He was saying so long to this character that he'd met, but he was also saying goodbye to the audience. And I was like, oh, that's a nice sort of... Mm. So at the end of it, I was left with, oh, okay, it's nice that I've completed this journey. And I don't so, know, it was... Yeah. So which was your favourite character and which was your favourite episode? Um, I'd probably say... Probably Sengoku and his episode. Right. I think just because that was my introduction into the world and he's sort of cool and he sort of like embodied this world we were in. It's sort of very like Blade Runner-esque. Right. But he also, his episode made me believe that we were going to learn more about this world and like how it became like this. And there wasn't that in these two episodes. No. There was a lot of, oh yeah, we are in the future and like this stuff had happened. But they were, again, they, they were telling us about it and I was like, want to see this and i think mm. there's only so much you can do in three episodes but it's just like i want to see this more like even if i thought like read it in a manga i want to know there is no making, manga yeah, exactly you're making me intrigued in this world but you're not showing me any of it and mm. that was a bit of a gutting thing for me did like that um <laughs> gogu not gogu that's a gogu that's not grogu gogu uh, google Google. Not Google. I'm just going to call him Google. Okay, cool. I like Google. how um, his lover, Sarah, uh, called him original computer genius. I was like, hey, he was the original Google before Google. Yeah, that was odd. Yeah. I was like, nice little note there. And they did predict some cool stuff in the future. This is what made around in the 90s. So 91. Yeah, so there was stuff like, stuff was starting to get made, but obviously, like, they couldn't, like, so you can make those predictions, but there's nothing there. You know, sat nav and there. stuff like that yeah. that we just simply didn't have in the nineties. Yeah, like um, obviously, there's a lot of technology companies that work ten, twenty years in advance, so they sort of can guess. But this was very good, and there wasn't there wasn't anything out there that was a bit too crazy. Mm. And like to be fair, they gave themselves some pretty lenience. It was like hundreds and hundreds of years in the future, yeah. even now. Like it's it's crazy what like what they could have done, but they did play it pretty. Uh, safe and again it's dystopian world so it can be like they can limit themselves by like, oh if we weren't so dystopian then we'd be able to do more developments hey world look at yourself make a change yeah and then we can progress there definitely wasn't like environmental messages or anything yeah. in there it was high-end tech that was probably bad for the environment yeah and, yeah 
I don't know. I don't see why it was set so far in the future. It could have easily been Cyber City 2100, yeah, couldn't they it? Just, they just wanted to go for every extreme, didn't they? The swearing, mm. the like future future. It's like, yeah. oh goodness. Everything was set to the extreme. The one bit of technology I do want to know is what Google's got. Is a waterproof mohawk because he was in the water. <laughs> mohawk saved them. Like, man, yeah, he that, did. that hair gel from the future. Future hair gel. There. Who knows, there might be a future hair gel that can grow you a mohawk. Mate, that maybe could, it's a synthetic mohawk. It could be. Fingers yeah, grafted on his head. Would you, would you? You're not allowed to put the hairstyle, but like there's this gel, and it could be any hairstyle whatsoever, you don't know. But you put it on and your hair will grow back. So would I be able you to could, cut the hairstyle? You could, no. So you could potentially have an afro. You could potentially have a mohawk. You could potentially have a hawkeye mohawk. Or you could have like stunning, luscious locks, but you just don't know. It's like a lottery. Would you risk it? No. 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 Not at all. No. I don't want a mohawk. That's a thing. Who wants you, a celebrant with a mohawk? You might have a mohawk or you might not. No. <laughs> what a ridiculous question. Right, here's a question for you. Go on. Which character and which episode do you think are my favourites? Uh, Sengoku and his episode. Gogol is my favourite character. Oh, yeah. I think he's cool, but his episode is my least favourite because it's really simple. It is. It reminded me... It was too simple. It reminded me a lot of, like, I don't know, like a Batman sort of being hunted by someone. I even put, like... Was it Malkos was the... Something like that, yeah. Malkos or something. There was like this robot that was out to get him and he just reminded me of Bane. So I think that's why I got the almost sort of like Batman vibe from it. It was just like, oh, he's, they've just set up this thing it to be It was a you. little bit simple, but yeah. there was a lot, still a lot to love in it. The dialogue, the characters, the fact that Gogol is such a cool badass, but it was my least favourite episode. Yeah, and I do like Benton's episode the most, I think. yeah. Because they're all on their game and you've got them all established and... Yeah, you're already in the... And I'm a sucker for vampires. Yeah, like the vampire storyline was pretty cool to be fair. I did enjoy that and I liked... It touched him a bit too much when he was talking about a virus though. It's like, let's not. Yeah. (laughs) But it was this virus that was making him older and stuff like that. And there was sort of like the, you know, the freezing of one character. I was like, oh, okay. Do you like that they all had sort of like a love interest? That was kind of cool. Felt bad for them all, though, because it didn't really work out for any no. of them, but, you know. No. Yeah. And that's it. Again and again, it's emphasised that they're murderers and they're criminals, but the characters are so fleshed out that... You forget about the criminal bits, you know? Maybe not oh. even forget, but they're just cool and... You forgive them. Yeah. For yeah. Them. It's a weird, weird Definitely thing. Definitely a teenager would have been like, oh, no, that's badass. Yeah, Dude, yeah. Anyway, he swore again. He's so cool. So... They're edgy. I mean, I'm the age that my dad was, roughly, when I was watching this. And I don't think he knew what I was watching. Yeah. And if I was a dad, I would not want a 15-year-old watching this. Watching this. I don't know. It's pretty... Like, there are some bits as well that were pretty gruesome as well, like, visually, and I'm just like... Surely, like, if they were targeting for a younger audience in America... The visual would have yeah. been too much, like, yeah, like decapitations and stuff like that. So I think they did pick the right age for like teenagers. And I think at that point, you can't really, like at 15, 16, as a parent, you can't really stop your teenagers no. at well, that point. My, They're my, just going to do it to spite you, so you may as well yeah. get on board. I'm a scout leader. I'm a leader for a group of explorers, which is 14 to 18. And they delight 
in talking to me about films with 18 ratings and 15 ratings. Mm. And I'm like, I want to talk about these things that I enjoy. And I'm like, you shouldn't have watched that. Yeah. You shouldn't have watched that. But I know damn well that I was doing what they're doing. Yeah, didn't exactly. 25 years ago. Yeah. It's one of them, like, you can stop it in cinemas, but, like, as soon as it gets home, it's like, it's really, everything's PG. As long as your parents mm. are all right with it, or, mm. or if they don't know about it, like... Yeah, yeah. I think it is a good thing that those rating systems are in place, but, yeah, there's it's an easy thing to get away with. Everyone it's, ignored it. I, and it's one of them, and it's like, underage drinking's a thing. All these kind of underage things are, like, so easily done. But, like... Out of all of them, I think watching a TV show is probably the safest one. Like, if I found mm. out my kid was, like, out of all of them, he's, like, underage watching a show, I'd be like, oh, it's all right. Unless it was something terrible. But I'm glad we did this. Mm. And it was a lot of fun. I don't think we really need to talk about it very much more because we did go quite deep in the first episode and I've already gushed about how brilliant the Blu-ray releases. A brilliant Blu-ray. Brilliant Blu-ray. Done a lot of alliteration today. If you are a fan of Cyber City... Or in... if you're a bit of a weeb... Or if you're a bit of a weeb, or if you've been intrigued by what we've talked about, I would recommend giving the Blu-ray release a go rather than watching it on YouTube. The quality's better. There's yeah. so much cool shit to that, see. That was a better thing about it. It wasn't like we weren't watching it in parts or we weren't watching mm. it. Or like there was a trust. There's a trust to it, which is why I like it. Like obviously, there's so many websites you can go on where you can find it in a not so secure way. Indeed, but. That security of like either a stream or a DVD is like you know nothing's gonna interrupt, yeah. nothing's gonna change. Especially DVDs as well because you don't need interweb, even interweb exactly. It's mm. just gonna work either way. All you need is something to put it in. So thank you so much for joining us for this cheeky bonus episode. We'll be back to normal next week. Yeah, back to basics. Mm. Cheerio. Mm. Writing the Childhood is a podcast brought to you by the We Make This Podcast Network. You can follow the show on Twitter at RITCpod. The show's creators and hosts are Mark Adams and Fraser Simmons. Follow us on Twitter at MarkAdamsHC and at Spider Pan Tweets. The show's logo was created by Carl Bryan and the theme tune composed and performed by Colin Jackson Brown. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed being hit. This is Tony, Network Chief of We Made This. As you know, our podcast network brings together a brilliant assortment of talent who talk about all kinds of pop culture content, such as the episode you've just listened to. We're not going anywhere, but we'd love to keep the lights on for even longer if you're able to support our network on Patreon. For just £2 a month, you get your name in lights and the satisfaction of knowing you're helping us produce more great audio. And for £3 a month, you'll get your name in lights, but you'll also get access to an exclusive bi-monthly podcast from the We Made This Talent Pool on podcasting, pop culture, and, well, you tell us. We'll take your suggestions. For less than the price of a coffee per month, you can help keep We Made This going. Just head to patreon.com forward slash we made this, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com 
forward slash we made this and get the ball rolling elsewhere on we made this frame to frame I mean that was very nearly a James Stewart impression <laughs> oh god damn it there's supposed to be reindeer around here but gosh darn it I can't see them anywhere else oh gosh darn reindeer around here anyway sorry um, that I would have loved to see. Bad Santa starring James Stewart is what I would absolutely have adored to see. I'm just trying to imagine. Completely going against type. So, the, say the there, Sonny, what would you like for Christmas there? Um, that would just be... The... No, this, I, I don't care that we're recording the podcast. This is just for me now. Can you, as James Stewart, say the word fuckstick? Fuckstick. Fuckstick. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think this is where we actually tip over from semi-professional to non-professional. No, I know we should get back. I mean, we discussed the themes of the of the film. Can I can I just say my impressions very rarely bring you joy. Maybe this is just the magic of Christmas is kind of like pickling your brain a little bit and is just making your faculties dim. Um, Either that, or is that nine percent porter that I'm drinking? One yeah, of the exactly. Other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life's milestones. Before we went to the fight, people testing out the shurikens on the on the doors. You go, oh look, it's coming to the door. That'll do. That works. And I'll use that for the fight later on. Crackers. Absolutely true. It never would never happen now. I wouldn't even get to that no. stage. But yeah, one side of the school would fight the other side of the school. Girls include. Good grief. I'm glad I didn't go to your school. Free with this month's issue. Last year's we had six CDs to choose from, one of which was a Christmas CD. Yeah, we've got the remaining five because we fired one bullet on the Russian roulette. Yep. So last year we had Metal Hammer's Razor. So the remaining five in the chamber <laughs> are X-Ray CD 11 from X-Ray Magazine, Radio Kerrang Volume 1, Mojo's Blue Christmas which is the bullet, at least for Ian anyway. Steve Lamax Bootleg Session Volume 3 from Melody Maker and Rock Sound Music with Attitude Volume 32. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.